Next, the golden days of radio. This is Frank Brzee welcoming you to the golden days of radio. Great moments from radio programs of the past with the world's most famous personalities. Those memorable moments when everyone listened to enjoy the make-believe world of radio. On this program, we are featuring the Pied Pipers, Don Amici and Francis Langford as the Bickersons, comedian Bob Newhart, plus our in-person guest, the original singing lady of radio, Irene Wicker. One of the finest vocal groups in the country during the 40s was the Pied Pipers, and here they are. Someone exactly like you Why should we spend money On a show or two No one does those love scenes Exactly like you You make me feel so grand I want to hand the world to you You seem to understand And these foolish little dream I'm dreaming, scheme I'm scheming Now I know why mama Taught me to be true She meant me for someone exactly like you program we featured the Bickersons and many of you have asked for more so here they are Donna Michi and Francis Langford as the Bickersons every morning is the same rush 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 get up at seven make breakfast for you then clear the things away straighten the house make the beds do the shopping do the laundry why can't I have a maid John you had a maid Yes, but how long was she with us? She was never with us. She was against us from the start. <laughs> I didn't like her anyway. She never swept behind the door. She did, too. She swept everything behind the door. The house was like a pigsty. Now, don't slow me down, Blanche. I gotta get out of here. Well, what about your breakfast? What about it? It's sitting right in front of you, and you never even looked at it. I looked at it. I don't want to eat it, Blanche. Well, what's the matter with it? I never saw such stringy oatmeal in my life. That's not oatmeal. It's chow mein. Chow mein? <laughs> Who eats chow mein for breakfast? Well, I don't know what to give you. You won't eat normal breakfast food. You turn up your nose at stewed rabbit. You say you can't stand the side of enchiladas. And you hate meatballs and spaghetti. What can I give you for breakfast? What's the matter with an egg, Blanche? An egg, that's all. Why can't I have an egg? There's plenty of ducks walking around. <laughs> 
You're the only man in town who eats duck eggs. I don't know where to buy them. Don't buy them. I don't like to eat breakfast. I never have an appetite in the morning anyway. Where's my hat? In the icebox. Where's my lunch? In your hat. Very funny. in the icebox. Well, no, I could have sworn I put him out last night. <laughs> Don't look at me like that. Maybe he crawled up the drain pipe. Anyway, he ate all my lunch. Then you better sit down and finish the show me. Lynch, I tell you, I don't want that stuff. Well, what'll I do with it? Give it to the cat. You hate that cat, don't you? <laughs> I don't hate anybody. That's the mail. Get it, will you, Blaine? I have to do everything around here. Eat your chow mein. Chow mein for breakfast. Come here, cat. Here. Here's a nice dish of food for you. Here. Go ahead, eat it. Don't let any get on the floor. Eat it. Go on, eat it. Don't bury it in your sandbox. Let me have that plate. Uh, any mail, Blanche? Bills, bills, bills. What's this package from Kentucky, John? Hmm. Why, it's a pint of bourbon. Give me that. That's my dividend. I belong to the Bottle of the Month Club. You and that bourbon. No wonder we never have any money. What are you going to do with it, John? I'm going to hide it in a safe place. Wish you'd put a light in this bathroom. Hope it's blood. Get up off your knees and stop licking the floor. Now, what do I do for a shirt? Wear the one I made for you. It's a lovely shirt. It isn't lovely and I won't wear it. Hasn't even got a shirt tail. You don't need a shirt tail. Just wear your pants higher. I can't wear them any higher. Wear my pants so high now I have to unzip them to blow my nose. Well, I'll buy you a new shirt today. You can wear it at the wedding. What wedding? Now, here's the invitation. My cousin Eunice is getting married. Eunice? Uncle Raffy's daughter. Uncle Raffy? Is that the one with no forehead who walks on his knuckles? He does not walk on his knuckles. He just has very long arms. He used to be a taffy puller. I'm not going to any broken-down wedding of your cheap relatives. Uncle Raffy's not cheap. He's a very wealthy man now, and he's invited all the guests to go on a cruise after the ceremony. A cruise? What'll we get them for a present, John? Forget the present and forget the wedding. I'm not going boat or no boat. <laughs> Goodbye, Blanche. I gotta get to the office. Now, wait a minute. What's your rush this morning? You're not that vital, you know. I know it, but I don't want them to find out down at the office. My type of job isn't so easy to come by these days. Well, I wish you'd find something more dignified anyway. What do you mean, dignified? I'm getting paid. That's all I care about. Well, I don't like to go around telling people I'm married to a billiard ball salesman. Bowling balls. All right, bowling balls. I still think you could do better if you looked around. Goodbye, Blanche. John. What's the matter? <laughs> a fine way to leave. Haven't you forgotten something? Handkerchiefs, cigarettes, water blanks, samples. No, I got everything. I mean, is that the way a man says goodbye to his wife? Just goodbye? Oh, honey, I can't shake hands with you now. <laughs> I got my fingers stuck in these bowling balls. Oh, goodbye. Uh, 
During the golden days of radio, there was one program that children all across America used to listen to, and it was called The Singing Lady, and I think The Singing Lady was one of the first, uh, first people to, to go on radio. And Irene Wicker, the original singing lady, is our guest today. Thank you very much. It really is a pleasure to be your guest, and I think you're pretty wonderful to be able to do a program like this. Miss Wicker, you started on radio in the, uh, I, would, I would think, in the early 20s, but it probably was not no, until the 30s. Uh, I was in dramatic school in Chicago, the Goodman Theater School in the Art Institute, and this was in 1932. And one of uh, our teachers was asked to do a radio program. So he asked another girl and me to be in it. And we were, and the manager of the station, WGN at that time, was listening, and he said, which one of those kids is studying voice? <laughs> he pointed to me, so he said, I want her to audition for a program we're going to have, because we have to have someone who can sing as well as talk. Mm -hmm. and so forth. As a matter of fact, they wanted someone who could sing, play the piano, and talk and all, you, all at once. And you do all of those things? N well, I don't play the piano well enough to play anywhere except for my own <laughs> picking out. Well, now, melodies. this was this was in 1932, your this first one on the radio. Yes, and I've often said since that they gave me the program, and it was nothing but nursery rhymes, and it was to be on the air six nights a week and 15 minutes a day. Can you imagine how long a nursery rhyme, <laughs> I mean, how long a program like that could last? Because I was very interested in children's stories at the time, and I think I had read every Mother Goose book ever written, and I knew that it couldn't last for six months. Anyway, I said children wouldn't be, you couldn't hold the interest of a child six nights a week, just singing nursery rhymes. So they said, what would you do? Well, at the time, I was playing the part of Christopher Robin because the students gave uh, children's matinees every Saturday. And uh, Hiram Sherman was Winnie the Pooh, and I was Christopher Robin. And, of course, I had to sing some songs, you know. Halfway up the stairs is the stair where I sit. There isn't any other stair quite like it. It's not at the bottom, it's not at the top. So this is the stair where I always stop. So uh, this friend of mine said, why don't you make up a little story? I said it should be a story with music in it about Christopher Robin and use those songs. So I did, and that was what won the audition. But then I had to write it, and everything I'd ever written was <laughs> thrown away or in a trunk or in the attic. But uh, that's how I... I was very fortunate because the agency man from NWA was a writer. And every day I would write the program and do it. And after that, we'd go over my next day's program and he would show me where I was wrong and I had to rewrite it. <laughs> but anyway, that's how it started. How, how did you get the name The Singing Lady or did you well, use that right that, from the beginning? That was their idea. They had written the theme song and uh, they were calling it The Singing Lady. It was to introduce Rice Krispies, which they called, at that time, the singing cereal. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's how that got started. And it went on for so long that it sort of became synonymous, you know. With Irene Wicker. Yes. 
I would like to play uh, a recording of one of your programs. And so let's listen to that right now. Very beautiful. Very. And uh, who is this? This is Ellen, my youngest child. Hans Bunskins, what a youngster. Now your sisters can dance and play upon the harp, do tricks of magic and all sorts of fanciful things. What can you do? There is little I can do. Only one gift have I, to cook, sew, keep house. Then I tell stories and sing songs for children, too. Indeed. Your face is lovely, your spirit beautiful, and I would have you for my wife if you would have me. I would, your goblin majesty, and most happily, too. Then such rejoicing you never could imagine. It seemed that all the enchanted forest sang out together of the happiness that was to come. For the good goblins of the north were to be united forever with the good little people of the enchanted forest. And it meant they would always have protection and love and friendship. And so, of course, they all lived happily ever after. That's, uh, that's amazing, and that's a recording from a radio show that was on the air over a quarter of a century ago, I guess. 25 years ago or so. Well, I don't, I don't remember exactly when that one was on. Uh-huh. I think it was in the 40s sometime. You're still doing a radio show? Yes. In New York? Yes. Every Sunday morning at 8.30 uh-huh. on WNYC. Which is the municipal station there. Yes, and this is called Irene Wicker, the Singing Lady. That's right. Mm -hmm. You've been, actually, you've been on the radio then for uh, longer, uh, (laughs) if you don't mind my saying so, than almost any other performer. (laughs) Well, it's been 30, uh, 36 years, I guess. 36, 37 years? That is a long time, isn't uh-huh. it? And, uh, and you've done television, too, uh, oh, yes. in the last uh, 10 well, years. I so. did, yes. Uh, I w- was on television after the uh, network radio program ended. I was on ABC and NBC and Mutual mm-hmm. on television up until uh, 1957 when I began doing this program on WNYC. Well, Irene Wicker, I can only hope and wish that uh, you'll be around for another 36 <laughs> or 38 years so that all the children that are growing up now uh, will have an opportunity to hear you on the radio like many of us did. Thank you. Irene Wicker, the singing lady, thank you for joining me on the golden days of radio. I think you're a wonderful broadcaster, and it's re- really a great privilege and an honor to be able to be with you. Thank you. From the singing lady of radio, we go now to the laughing clowns of television. And here's comedian Bob Newhart to tell us exactly what the performers of television children's shows are really like. Watching television from three to five, you're almost forced to watch children's shows because that is all it's on at those hours. And there's very good reason for this. No matter where you turn on the dial, you're always going to find a kiddie show. And that is because the station makes such a killing on the kiddie show, they literally have to put it on. And it's a very low-cost show to put on. First of all, they need an announcer who preferably is not too bright to begin with, you see? In fact, the closer his mental age to the kids, usually the better the show. 
Uh, they need an oversized clown costume or Buster Brown suit for him to wear. Uh, they need some bleachers for the kids to sit in, a studio audience, and a cartoon machine. And with these four basic ingredients, you can present any children's show. This is my sort of a stereotype of all kiddie shows, uh, the Uncle Freddy show, and they always start out the same. They start out with a slide, and then out this idiot walks in this clown costume. <laughs> a little hat on top of his head. If he were anywhere else, they would... <laughs> put him away for a couple of years, you know. First of all, he, he talks to the kids before the show goes on the air. Uh, boys and girls, we're going to go on the air in just a minute. And uh, one thing I have to tell you... Be <laughs> During the cartoon, you boys and girls can't talk in the studio because that goes out over the air, see? And we've instructed our announcers, if you boys and girls talk during the cartoon, they're instructed to belt you right in the mouth. <laughs> so let's get... The, okay, boys and girls, we're going to get ready for the show, and there's the announcer man, and he's going to talk in that mic, and now I'll come back and, and talk to you, boys and girls. Hi, hi, hi. announcements I have to make, boys and girls, before I get into the mailbag. Um, <laughs> Come on now, boys and girls. Let's settle down now, boys and girls. That isn't nice to laugh at Uncle Freddy like that. You don't laugh at your mommies and daddies. You do laugh at your mommies and daddies. Two announcements I have to make, boys and girls. As you know, we usually show the Three Stooges cartoons on Thursday. But uh, as I mentioned last week, they've been holding Uncle Freddy up on price. <laughs> and uh, Uncle Freddy has decided not to buy that show. I have bought a new cartoon show, which isn't quite as expensive. I think you boys and girls will enjoy very much. Call the Army Training Films. <laughs> title of our cartoon today, boys and girls, is Frostbite, so you want to be <laughs> Oh, uh, one other announcement, boys and girls. Today we're adding the name of a new sponsor to our blacklist. <laughs> we're adding the name of Pops, new breakfast cereal. And of course, all the members, uh, boys and girls in good standing in the Uncle Freddy Club, that of course means you can't have Pops for breakfast in the morning. <laughs> or uh, play with any little boys and girls who do eat Pops. <laughs> Let's move on now into our mailbag, uh, boys and girls. Um, here's the first letter. Uh, comes to us from Arnie Peterson, and it's written in crayon. <laughs> 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 
we've, uh, we've asked you boys and girls to please be careful in Prinny's letter, because Uncle Freddy can't always make out all your words. <laughs> <laughs> and it's uh, written on a bag also. <laughs> anyway, this, this one says, Dear Uncle Freddy, the parf part... Uh, we're going to start printing these from now on, boys and girls, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> the part of the show that I enjoy the most is when you talk to Mr. Puppet. Uh, well, well, we'll be doing that on Friday. And um, he says, all the little boys and girls in my neighborhood... <laughs> Come, come in and watch it on my TV set. And we roll on the floor and hold our sides. <laughs> and my mommy, that looks like, uh, told me to sit down and write you this letter. And uh, that, as I said, is from uh, Arnie uh, Peterson, and he's 34. <laughs> Sonny, Sonny, shh, son, shh, Sonny, be quiet. Sonny, what's your name? Brucey. Uh-huh. And, and how old are you, Brucey? You're four. W would you like to see five, Brucey? <laughs> then don't talk in the studio. There is, uh, there is one little letter I did want to bring up because we've received a number of them like this. Uh, this is from a uh, Freddie Ferno. Freddie Furnow, is that? He's age seven. And uh, he writes and he says, Dear Uncle Freddie, I sent in for the $27 decoding ring. <laughs> and the three rooms of carpeting. <laughs> and instead I got back some pictures of older girls in sort of bathing suits. That was a little slip-up in Uncle Freddy's office, uh, boys and girls. That's a little service Uncle Freddy runs for some of the older boys and girls. <laughs> so if um, you might hang on to him for 10 or 12 years, Freddy, or um, maybe you might uh, want to send it back to Uncle Freddy, and I'll send you back the magic decoder. Don't mail him, Freddy. <laughs> time we have for our mailbag boys and girls let's all get up now and we'll start marching and that'll be the signal for our cartoon okay everybody start marching and wave to your mommies and daddies as you go by the camera that's the way boys and girls keep waving that's the way let's keep going son that's the way right out the door mark fire escape there you go <laughs> Well, that does it for this edition of the Golden Days of Radio. My special thanks to my in-person guest, Irene Wicker. This is Frank Brzee inviting you to tune in next time for more great moments from radio programs of the past. This is the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service.